<laughs> What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, J Omega. That's at J Omega on every social media network. And this is the Officially Street Podcast, episode 334. As you can tell by the title, we got to interview Dwayne Alexander Smith this week. He's an author, producer, screenwriter from L.A. by way of the Bronx. So we talk in the 70s Bronx. So it was definitely dope getting to talk to him and, and hear about his upbringing. But we heard about him originally from episode 318 of our own podcast. The episode was called Whipple My Tickle, where Cherry chose his book, 40 Acres, as her pick of the week. And she told the whole, the whole story of the book on the episode. So if you're interested, go ahead and go back and listen to episode 318. And we decided to reach out to him to see if we can interview him. And he reached back out to us. And it was really a dope sit down. Um, it was all virtual. So. So uh, don't mind the audio if it's not what you're used to, but it was a really good conversation. We got to hear about, you know, who this guy was coming up, growing up in the South Bronx as a kid. And we talking again, when the Bronx was really burning back in the 70s. So things were a lot crazier and different and how Star Wars changed his life of all things, how he started pursuing his dream and changed the entire course of, of his life and you know, pursued his passion and now he's living it. So I think it's definitely relatable to a lot of us that are, are aspiring influencers, entertainers, media folk. And we really get an inside look of what the story is like when you don't give up and you keep your foot on the gas and what the fruits of that labor looks like. So without further ado, Dwayne Alexander Smith. Oh, be sure to also follow my co-host, Sayer, at Sayer underscore S-O, and of course, the lovely Miss Cherry Poppins at I'm Cherry Poppins. And follow the podcast page at TOS Podcast underscore S-O on every social media network as well. And don't forget, you can listen to us anywhere you can find a podcast. Without further ado, let's get into it. Um. You grew up in the Bronx. Yes. You know, that's, that's, Jay and I are both from the Bronx. So, uh, you know, where about, you know what I mean? And about, you know, about the time. I grew up in the South Bronx. I grew up, I grew up in Katona Park area uh, mm-hmm. on 74th Street. I live right across the street from Katona Park. Um, it was a very, okay. very, very bad neighborhood. I mean, to say the least. I mean, movie companies used to come to my neighborhood to shoot post-apocalyptic movies. Basically, because <laughs> wow. all the buildings were blown out and burnt down, you know. My, my, the Bronx is burning time. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. So my my neighborhood, like, is, actually, I was lucky because I was in this little oasis where we were right across the street from a park, and the buildings on my block, none of those buildings were burnt out or anything. But if you went right around the corner, you know, it was like yeah. the end of the world. You know, it was crazy. Yeah. So, um, so I always tell people like. From where I, where I came from, I mean, it was like, it was literally like one of the worst neighborhoods in the world at the time. I mean, there's a whole thing about Jimmy Carter. I think it was Jimmy Carter coming down there and say they're going to build houses down there and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was a pretty tough area. Yeah. Now, now how did that help shape you? Like when you was coming up, you know, like you, you, you was in it. I was in it. You know, I was how- totally in it. I was in the gangs. Um, I was doing a lot of stupid stuff. Um, but... What I tell people is that when I saw when I saw um, Star Wars, 
it completely changed my life. So I know a lot of people have that story, but like yeah, yeah. it's reality for me. Like when I walked in, when I when I walked into Star Wars, I, I think I wanted to be a construction worker. When I walked out yeah. of Star Wars, I wanted to make movies. Like what literally, like, what year which was episode, that? Which, yeah, 1977. Which was okay. This? No, so this was so this was episode four. Yeah, like the first one. The first Star Wars, yeah. Yes. For episode four. Wow. Yes, I saw so it in the movies. I was 13. I was 14, whatever it was. Yeah. So what was it that like, like you saw that and what made you say like, what made you change your mind? Well, I always, I always loved movies. Do. I always loved movies. Mm-hmm. My mother was a big movie fan. She would wake me up in the middle of the night if there was something special. Because remember, back then, if it wasn't on TV at a certain time, you wasn't going to see it. There was no VCRs. It was nothing. So, so sometimes my mother wake me up at two o'clock in the morning, the late, late show. So oh, you got to see this movie. You know, I have to go to school the next day, but she has to be watching some crazy movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I always loved movies. But when I saw Star Wars, it was just like, everything that was happening on screen, I was like, how the hell are they doing this? Like, I'd be ships and this thing. And I, I just walked out with like, I got to figure, I got to, I got to do this. I got to be a part of this somehow. Gotcha. Now, gotcha. were you, were you the only one of yeah, maybe your friend group that felt this way, or yes. I mean, Star Wars was big. You know what I mean. So I, I know there probably had to be excitement around the movie, but this awakening that you had, you had to be the only. I mean, did you feel like you were the only one that felt this way? My friends didn't even see it. They hadn't seen it when I saw it. I saw it way wow. before they saw it. And um, mm. again, remember, like they weren't running out to see movies like Star Wars. They were like, you know, there was a little local theater. Um, where they show a lot of black exploitation movies and things like that, you know, when we wow. saw all those movies, but they didn't really see Star Wars. I was the first one to see Star Wars on my block, you know, that and I was true. obsessed with it. I was obsessed with Star Wars. I even had, I had a Super 8, well, a little further on, I had a Super 8 projector and I would, I bought like the Star Wars movie. They had like a, a mini, they, they had like a, a version of Star Wars that's edited down to like maybe 15 minutes. And I had a, I had a screening in my house of Star Wars. Oh, wow. <laughs> would, would you would you would you would you say you were a nerd growing up? Once once I got into the whole Star Wars thing, it kind of I kind of became a nerd. I wasn't a nerd at first, but it kind of made me into a nerd because I completely it look it literally saved my life because it, it it I became like it took me out of the streets and I just started pursuing other things and seeing other things and I became obsessed with trying to make Star Wars. I was like Shooting little Super movies with little ships and stuff and trying to do that. It was crazy. I love that. I was, that. I was going you, to ask how, like, if can do you remember your first attempt at trying to recreate that? I do. You know, it's funny. Um, my mother was a was a welfare worker. She was like, she worked in a welfare office. Mm-hmm. And she was dating this guy who's who said he was a photographer at the time. Like he was uh-huh. a photographer. So I didn't know, I was trying to figure out how to do the lasers, like the laser shots of the ships, because I was, I had the models and I had the black uh-huh. background. I was shooting the, I was like animating them, but I couldn't do the lasers. So I went up to this guy who was dating my mom and said, how do you do the lasers for these things? And he gave me some bullshit. I didn't know at the time. He gave me some, <laughs> like trying to impress me or to impress my mother. Yeah, 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 he gave yeah, me some yeah, total yeah. bullshit, bogus <laughs> way of how, like uh-huh. I said, you got to use aluminum foil. You shine a light down a little... And you know, I tried. Uh-huh. I tried and it that. didn't work. Yeah. I went to you walked out of there. Like, it didn't work. <laughs> wow. This nigga lying. Yeah, he's lying. His asshole. Can you? Can you? I, I, I'm just so intrigued. <laughs> can you give me? Can you give me 
uh, a day, like you said, you wanted to be a construction worker, right? You in the streets, you was running around doing things. Can you give me a day in the life of who you were before Star Wars, right? Before Star I mean, Wars. what, yeah, what motivated you then? You know what I mean? Um, if it was Star Wars, let's say that got you out of the streets, what was it that put you in the streets? Well, I, you know, honestly, like, um, I was, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to make this sound weird, but um, I was kind of like. a product of your environment, you think? Well, no, I, I was going to say, like, I was always, even when I was running the streets, I wasn't like the other kids because I had, I had a high, high, I had a high IQ. Like, my mother knew I had an IQ. She had me tested. So I had a very high IQ. And every time I would go to schools, they would put me in, they would say, oh, this is, you know, they put me in different classes and they would do all kinds of stuff. So, and my mother gave, my mother filled me with this kind of confidence. Like, she would say, you're, you're the smartest kid, you know, and I, well, I believed her. And um, so, so even though I was running the streets, I was, the, I was always the smart one. I was always the one like, let's rob this thing, but let's do it this way. That's kind of what I meant by the nerd. That's kind of what I meant by the nerd. I meant the intellectual one, the one that's always thinking far ahead, the one that could always sort of thwart the enemy and you know what I mean? That that yeah, sort of I, thing. Yeah, that was know, me. The, I was the brains of the leader. operation. I was a natural leader. I was always telling, they were always coming to me to try to tell me to, like, to figure things out, things like that. You weren't dumb. No, you no, weren't dumb. You might even run the streets, but you wasn't dumb. You could you, you know the difference between, you know, know. what you needed to do and yeah. And, you know, having fun. Right, 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 right. That's good. That's and dope. Are there I, I any that, imp- Imperial bachelors that are still after you? <laughs> <laughs> I have a little bit of knowledge. <laughs> My father so you end up going to, to you, you, you end up <laughs> you, you end up going to college, right? I did um, go to college, but I dropped out. You dropped out. Mm-hmm. And and at what point did you drop out and, and to pursue your dreams? Because we know, you know, we we, we read, you know, what okay, was the you turning dropped point? out, you decided you wanted to. This right. Is when, sound... when did you make the decision? Because now you have parents and it is and I don't want to I don't want to pry, but you might have West Indian parents who kind of. No, your, no. Your parents, okay. From Harlem, you know. But it sounds like you have high achieving parents all the same that want to see you do good. She's she's reminding you that you're smart. She's trying to put you in position. So right. when you make the decision, you're going to drop out. You know, you got to also, did you have to answer to your, to your mom or, you well, know, what, happened, what was that like? Like, it's, it's actually, it's very, something very specific happened. I saw, I went to, so, so when I was in high school, I was making Lula Super 8 movies and I actually won a contest and I won a scholarship to go to a film camp for a summer. But when I uh, when it's time to graduate from high school, um, I went to my um, one of my teachers who I really respected, and I said because I was really good at math and I was really good, you know. I said, should I go to school for engineering because I want to be an engineer, or should I go to school for film? And she mm-hmm. told me, you know, she very being very honest at the time. There's not a lot of black people making movies, and you're a really smart guy. You're really good at math. You should go to engineering school. And I don't think that was bad advice, you know. Mm-hmm. So I took her advice and I said, you know what, I'm gonna go to engineering school. So that's what I did. I went to engineering school. But when I got there, um, and by the way, I went to Texas Tech, and that was like, okay. yeah, I went to Texas Tech. Wow. I was in a room by Big myself. School. And it was a great school, great program. But I was sitting in a room by myself one day, and, um, and I asked myself a question. I really had this conversation with myself. I said, do you want to be a, a film fan all your life, or do you want to actually try to make movies? Mm. Right? Because I was not happy at school. I was like lonely. And it was, it was kind of, so I mm-hmm. asked myself that question, and I'm like, I said, being honest with myself, I said, I really want to try to make movies. 
And so I said, okay, well, Dwayne, you realize that if you try to make movies, if you don't make it, you're going to be poor. You're going to be poor your whole life. You're not gonna... I really just said, like, <laughs> you're going to take that yeah. chance. Yeah. 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 You know what? I got I to gotta try. Like, I got to try. Yeah. So I, when, I, when I went home for, I only went there for like six months. I went home for the Christmas break or whatever. And I told my mother, I said, I don't want to go back. I want to, I want to, I want to make movies. And she's like, she got very angry. She got mm. super, super angry. And she said, you better go out and get yourself a job. Go get a job tomorrow. Right. So what I did was I went and got a job at this factory and it was like, they made crazy straws and all this crazy stuff. And the guy next to me on the, in the factory line, he couldn't mm. even read. He couldn't even read. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? Right. I walked out out of the factory and I said, you know what? I'm not going to take any jobs that doesn't have something to do with film. That was like, like, I'm going to only do jobs that have something to do with movies. So I got a job as an usher. Okay. Yeah, I got a job as an usher in a movie theater. And then from there, I started getting all kinds of, it was a PA on movie sets and all kinds of things like that. So what does that mean? A PA? Yeah. A production assistant. No, it's the lowest. Okay. It's the lowest little peon on a movie set. You're just getting coffee for people. You're doing anything okay. they tell you to do. Okay, it's a you're okay. Job. Okay. It's How just, did you get that job? I feel like I feel like I prior to now I always wanted to be on the radio. I always tried like applying for internships. I always I was going up to the station like meeting people, and I never was able to do it. How did you at least get your foot in the door? I did it by lying. So what I did oh. was, I saw, I like that. I saw this director, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I saw this director shooting. Um, I saw this big camera when I was walking out of a movie theater. And I saw this big camera on the street, and I saw these two people with this big movie camera. So I walk over to them and I say, "Hey, what are you guys doing?" And they say, "Oh, we're shooting test footage for this movie." And I said, "Oh, that's cool." They say, "We say, yeah, we're gonna be shooting in a couple of months." And I said, "Oh, can I work on the movie?" I said, "Can I work on the movie?" And the guy said to me, and the guy, by the way, his name is, the director's name is Abel Ferrara. He's like a really well-known director now. Mm-hmm. But um, at the time, he wasn't that well-known. And he's like, he's like, well, can, can, what, have you worked on a movie before? I said, yeah, of course. You know, you like, you done P? I said, yeah, of course. He said, okay. He said, give me a number and I'll call you when we come back in town. Now, I gave him my number. I didn't think they were going to call me. Yeah. But he actually Ooh. called me. Wow. So how did you, how did you fake it? It's an entry level job. It's like get coffee, tell people to walk this way and move away from the camera, like stupid stuff. Like, okay. Yeah. But somebody oh, is telling you yeah, what yeah. to do. Oh, yeah. So then how did you move up? Uh just just being a self-starter. Like so, okay. so in terms of like the PA stuff, when I was doing the PA work, I met you start meeting people, you start meeting other people in film, like, you know, there's ADs that they like you, they put you on other movies, things like that. Then I started making my own movies. I started, you know, I got into the whole independent film world in New York. Okay. I started, like, meeting a lot of people. Like, I used to know Spike Lee's sister, because she worked at this film rental place. And I just meet a lot of people, and you start start moving up. But then once I met this guy who was doing um, locations, right, he was doing locations for all the Spike Lee movies, right, he started hiring me as a location assistant. So I started doing that stuff, like doing location assistance and things like that. So that, so that was going to be the next question. How did you land that location assistant job for Money Train and then and the subway stories and, and all that? You just I that, mean, this that guy. basically, and you and 
How do you feel? I, I honestly, every time you start talking about the you making movies and your kind of story of your, you know, your your persistence of this passion, like it just makes me think of like Be Kind Rewind. They filmed that movie in my city. Oh, in Pasink, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was an extra. Oh, cool. I love that movie. It's a great yeah. movie. I really, yeah, I really love that movie too. And so how was that experience being a locations assistant? So now you're meeting people, right? You now you you're on this set of a of a, I'm know, on a set of big right. big movies, like big Right. What was that experience? That was I mean, for me it was like it was almost like enough. It was already a dream come true. It was you I'm, already made it. You felt I'm like rubbing shoulders with directors and producers and all these film yeah. people, and I belong there. Like I belong there. You know what I mean? So yeah. I'm like, yeah. But then I, you know, I start thinking, well, I want to make my own movie, I want to make yeah. a feature. You know, so yeah. then I got a, I got a job at a um, at a camera rental house, like a, a a film rental house where they rent the equipment, they rent the cameras, and they rent the lighting mm-hmm. equipment. Mm-hmm. And um, it was great. It was a great job because in the light, I worked in the lighting and grip department. I learned how to use all the lighting and grip equipment. Like, sorry, um, I learned how to use all the lighting and grip equipment, mm-hmm. and um, to the point where I started getting offers from like Teamsters and other gaffers and grips to, to be an in, like an intern for them. That's how you start. Like you, you intern for them or you, you, you know, you apprentice with them and then you become a grip, a gaffer, electric, and then you make the big bucks. But I was That's so great. cocky. I wasn't very cocky. Dude, I was so cocky. I said, I don't want to be no grip. I want to direct movies. So I turned hey. down all these companies. Wow. <laughs> That's what I was going to you. So, so you're saying, you know, I'm on these sets, I'm rubbing shoulders, rubbing elbows with people, and I'm like, what was the money like? The money? Oh, yeah. They didn't make that much money. I mean, maybe I don't even remember. Or what it even was, as a like, location assistant. Well, as well, location assistant, I don't remember, but mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, when you, when you work on a movie, you do make good money because okay. every time you work on a movie, and it's over. You got to go find another job. Right. Oh, so okay. I don't remember how much I was making, but it was. It was but you felt money. confident about. Yeah, yeah, it was good money. It wasn't That's making right. you rich or anything. Yeah, you, right. you don't. You don't have to. We don't. You don't have to tell us the, the how much. <laughs> all the while, all but the while, remember. Like yeah, but yeah. You, it was good. It was like if, I mean back then. I mean, I mean it's like it was good money. I don't know. It was good money. It was like you make a couple hundred, three, four hundred dollars a day, whatever it was. Okay. Right. And um, it is per day. You know, you work. Mm-hmm. You know, you get paid per day. So, so all the while, this is where? Where were you? Um, this is all New York. Time? Yeah. All okay, New York. this is all New York. Okay. So when did you make the decision to move to the West Coast? To Los Angeles. So yeah. I should have done a long, like I, I wasted so much time in New York. I should have done that a long time, early, much earlier than I did it. Oh. But the, the reason I did it was because, um, so, 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 so trying to break in to be a director it's hard because movies cost a lot of money. Like making a movie takes a lot of money to make a even a short film. Or back then, now you could do it for nothing. But back then, I mean, you you talking about shooting on film, you're talking about dealing with labs. It's a whole different process, right? It was very expensive. Yeah. Um, but I did make some films and stuff like that. But it's like I can't. You know, but then when something happened, it's called a spec boom. The spec boom is when studios were buying scripts for millions of dollars. Like they would be. We're gonna buy this script for two million dollars. We're gonna buy this script for three million. And I'm like, this buying scripts, a script for three million dollars. So I'm like, I'm gonna teach myself how to write some scripts. <laughs> <laughs> you were trying to follow the money. Yeah, smarter, not harder. Like, I 
make like I want to make a film, but if I can make three million, I can use that to make a film. It doesn't force anything to write a script, right? You just sit right, down and right. do it. Right. So what I did Switch was your whole was that something <laughs> that you would have been interested in if that wasn't the case? Like if I was, they... I was writing scripts already because I was, I was trying okay. to direct stuff. So I was already okay. writing scripts, but I wasn't writing to a level where I was thinking I was going to sell a script. I was writing and thinking I'm going to okay. make a movie. But now okay. I'm thinking, okay, I got to sell the script, which is a whole new, different level of writing. Mm-hmm. So what I did was, again, the Variety and Hollywood Reporter, and you see the, the, the articles about these scripts that sold for a lot of money. Like, so I would, so once I saw what the script was, I knew this guy in New York who could get any script. Like he was like a, a he had to connect, like the LA yeah. connect. So if you pay him like fifty bucks, mm-hmm. he'll get you that script somehow. So mm-hmm. I said, oh, this sold for two million dollars. I give him the fifty bucks. And uh, like, you know, he'll get me the script. So I, I, so I had all, I studied them. I just studied them and read them and figured out, you know, and that's, okay. I kind of taught myself how to write screenplays from just reading a lot of scripts. Studying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my, oh, go ahead. I was going to say like, I, I was going to say about how, about how many do you think you like read through and, you know, how long <sighs> was that process? I had a lot of stacks of scripts, dude. I had stacks, stacks. And like, you know, um, I had written a bunch of scripts, just kind of feeling. Actually, actually, I was a pretty good writer just before that even happened because I the first script I ever wrote, actually, the first script I ever wrote uh, was a short script, and that script got optioned, believe it or not. Like it was, it was, it was very badly written. It was it wasn't written well in sense like the format and stuff. But I showed it to this director that I had, I had met. Her name was Livia Perez. I remember this. And she read the script and she said, I really like the script. Like she said, it says, it's written, everything's wrong. <laughs> but I really like the script. And so she optioned yeah. the script for me and she showed me how to format it and everything. She, mm-hmm. she worked on it with me. And then she, she tried to sell it to like ABC and all these places, you know, like for the after school special, things like that. Mm-hmm. So I already had some, I guess, some natural talent to do it. But then you let know. me find out you sold a script for two million, uh, uh, Mr. Sir. Let me find out. Let me find out there's things you're not telling us. I wish I tried very hard, believe me. I tried. <laughs> let me find out there's information missing. I came very close, but okay. you know. so none of your scripts have been what's even the word have Produce. been have been produced, yeah, well, books, yeah, yeah. Books get published. No, I sold, little, little I sold a lot of get. scripts actually. Okay, okay. I sold, I sold a lot of scripts. I sold when I came to LA. Mm-hmm. I um I worked cleaned uh, up. I wrote specs and I worked. I, I did work for studios, but I sold about seven or eight spec scripts. So I did sell scripts, scripts, mm-hmm. and I sold them for good money, like a lot yeah. of good money. But um, but did they make any of the movies? They only made one. Which right. one? It's a movie called, um, it's a movie, right now it's called, what is it called? Because they changed the title. It's called right. Free Fall. When I wrote it, it was called Stuck. They okay. changed the title to Free Fall. They ain't that two completely different things. Yeah, I was well, about to say, like, wait a minute now. Well, well, it's about a woman, it's about a woman stuck in an elevator. So okay. I call it Stuck, and they call it Free Fall because the elevator falls. Because the elevator falls. Um, okay. But they totally screwed up the movie. But there's a lot of there's, I got into a fight with the director in the, in the wrestling. Oh man! Yeah, yeah, what? yeah, yeah. I was got a shouting match with this director. Yeah. Um, oh, you you had to dump him out. Well, <laughs> not dump him out. <laughs> no, the guy actually the guy who directed it. 
The guy who directed it, interesting enough, he owns the whole Halloween franchise. Like he, he owns it. It's his. Yes. Yes. What? He, he, he had my script. He's like, Dwayne, we need a new, we want to reboot Halloween. So do you have any ideas to reboot Halloween? Because I sold a lot of horror scripts and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I say, yeah, I got some ideas. So I pitched him some Halloween stuff, you know, and uh, he didn't like any of my ideas, but whatever. But yeah, so that guy, he owns the whole franchise. Like it's his. Wow. Yeah, yeah. If you and go to you got office, in a wow. shouting match with him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got into it. We, 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 <laughs> is that common cool. in this industry? I, well, You're for honest, me, you said for me it is. <laughs> Well, the thing is, is that, you know, I've been in a, in a lot of meetings. I got to this one meeting with this guy. I went to this one meeting with this guy. I was, I was shopping a TV show with these producers. <clears throat> I walked into the meeting and the, and the producer we were pitching to, this is at a big studio. I forgot what studio it was, but he, he worked for Spielberg. He was, he worked for okay. Spielberg's man. And he kept on dropping Spielberg, Spielberg this, Spielberg that, Spielberg this, Spielberg that. And then he said some really insulting shit about my thing. Like he said something about it's childish or something like that. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. I just lost it. I just completely. So we and him got into it. And he right now he runs a whole studio now. He probably he probably put me in some blackness. I don't know. Right. You know, but, yeah. So I've gotten into some matches with mm-hmm. um, people over stuff because I I believe I'm my own worst critic and I believe in my work. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. and the thing I learned coming out here is that. You know, when you go into a room, like, like I'm from the Bronx, like I told you, I'm from the Bronx. When you go into a room, mm-hmm. you got all these white guys sitting around the table in suits, right? And they're all looking at you and they're like, oh, we're going to buy the script from you for 100000 or we're going to pay you whatever we're going to pay you. You got to know your shit, right? So yeah. I decided that when I go in the room, I'm the smartest guy in the room when it comes to this telling a story. Nobody in this room can tell a story better mm-hmm. than I can. Right. That's my mindset. Right. And I will defend, but I've, I've gotten, again, I've gotten some really, you know, but it hasn't really hurt me. I don't think so. That's good. I have a question. Do you feel that for your career, it is more beneficial for you to live in LA versus New York? Absolutely. Absolutely. Why? Because when I first got here and I was, I was starting, I would like, I would seek out places where writers go to write, like coffee uh-huh. shops and, you know, mm-hmm. and then I would go to those places and I made some amazing friends okay. in those coffee shops, like guys who actually gotten me jobs. Like literally, Dwayne is a producer looking for this a writer to write this. Can we send him your name? And I get the job. Right. And those jobs pay mm-hmm. like a lot of my so I, I made a lot of great like, writing friends just from going mm-hmm. to those places. Like this is like, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, um, it's a company town. It's a, it's a factory town. Right. So you could throw a stick mm-hmm. and hit producers and writers and, you know. So and it, it right. works to your benefit for sure. Because I always think of the saying like, "If you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere." Isn't that the saying? Uh, yeah, that's the saying. Oh, so yeah, that's why yeah. I'm thinking, what is the difference? Like, why didn't it work in New York? Well, New York is like it can it can work in New York, mm-hmm. but New York is a different. It's like New York is like an independent film kind of town. It's not like a studio. It's like everything shoots in LA or starts here in LA, right? Okay. It's Hollywood is out there. It's Hollywood. You know? This okay. is what they do here. Okay. So everybody yeah, I know is in the movie business, the actors and the producers and the writers. And, uh, uh, yeah. So would you say it's very would would you say it's it's very similar to the stereotypical movies and shows and the way they depict LA? It's like where everybody just goes to try to live their dreams and 
everyone is on the same type of vibe. Everyone is a, uh, you know, an artist or or a producer or a filmmaker or a director or someone trying to make it. Everyone, you know, is it? it would you say it's pretty much so? It's pretty it's, like you. When you in certain certain circles or certain bubbles, yeah, it's like that. Like in my bubble, everybody is in that like chasing a dream. Everybody, right. they all actors, right. they kind of writers, or and all different levels of success. Some are hugely successful. Some are right. just like kind of struggling by. Mm-hmm. This is a whole different. But yeah, but everybody in my bubble, which is a pretty big bubble, is everybody's chasing the dream. I think that's so dope, man. Like, I think it's just like, that's the culture out there. Like, that's that culture in Hollywood, you know? That's really motivational. Yeah, yeah. To have other people around Yeah, that whole energy probably drives the life force of, you know, everything that goes on there, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, it does. I mean, again, this is a factory town. Everyone's helping each other. Everyone's kind of in that same village mentality. Because, you know, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Do you think, do you, so I guess if someone asks you, because, you know, you started off wanting to make movies and now would you say like you are a writer? Yes. Okay. I actually don't want to direct anymore. I wanted to direct for a long time. Right. I have no interest in directing anymore. I want to only produce and write. What made you, what made you like really get into writing? Well, writing because I wanted to make money at first. Okay. And I, I, you know, I had my most success at writing. Okay. So, you know, and I like, you know, I like telling stories and writing movies mm-hmm. and writing whatever. So, and then like producing, I realized I, I really wanted to direct that one time. I wanted, oh, I want to direct a movie. But I realized that directing a movie is really like, it's really, it's, it's, it's so, like you have, you have to be so focused on just directing the movie like, um, it's just not that interesting to me. Like, if you look at movies, you look at movies, right? They all look the same, right? They all got the same shots. They all got the same. So what's so, what's so fun about doing that? You know, like, like yeah. it's not interesting to me. What's interesting to me is like writing a story and then and then making the movie, right? Mm-hmm. And making it come out the way I imagine. And I don't have to be the, I don't have to be the mechanic and then do it, like fixing my car. Like, I, you know, you, I can hire a director to do all that stuff. Right, they right. like to get these shots and stuff like that. To me, it's kind of boring now. Mm-hmm. But I like to just say, I like to, I'm the big picture guy. So this is my movie. I'm producing it. So I'm gonna hire all the people to do it and then get done my way. Gotcha. Yeah. So speaking of writing, you wrote this book called Forty Acres, which yes. is my. If that was the best book I read last year in 2021, <laughs> it was so. I was <clears throat> from. Maybe right after, right after um, he won the lawsuit, I was on my toes the entire time. How did you come up? And for those of you out there listening who know nothing about this book, I did a review of it on a, a episode that oh, we'll, you we'll plug. Oh, you are better than me. An episode that me. we'll plug later. Um, so, well, it'll be hopefully in our in the details so but yeah um how did you come up with the concept of and not and not just because i have seen i have seen oh man jay left us but i have seen um I feel like I've seen this concept before of black people having white slaves, but how, 
I feel like I saw that somewhere before. It was like a Netflix movie or there, some, there's something. Yeah. Really? There was something about. Huh? What'd you say, Sai? No, no, I was gonna say, I was gonna say there was there was something, there was a series, I guess, that they were supposed to make. I don't know if they oh, did. Oh, they never made but, it. Yeah, but it, I don't think it was like the story here, though. It was right. really extreme. So, so but my yeah, my whole my I my I'm t- reading this book, I'm just thinking, how did you come up with this concept to take these rich successful black men and just how did you come up with the whole concept of this story well um i started with me wanting to write a uh a movie about slavery okay but do it in a way where people won't roll their eyes and say right over like another plantation movie you know black yeah, movie yeah, 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 yeah. like like people hate those movies they don't hate them but you know what i'm saying like yeah like just another one of those i don't want to be seen that. them a lot yeah yeah i want to yeah. write a movie about slavery because i i always feel like there's not enough movies about slavery because it's you know but i want to write something that people actually want to see like they want to watch this movie you know so that was where i started and okay. then i came with a concept that's completely different the concept was that there's a black man who's an astronaut, right? Okay. And he goes on his mission and he's a genius. He's like a brilliant man. Like he's like a rocket scientist and stuff. He goes on his mission and he goes through some kind of time warp and he comes, he crashes in, back on earth, but it's now it's an antebellum South. And oh. it's, it's almost like, it's almost like Planet Apes a little bit. He can't talk because he's hurt and he gets captured with a bunch of runaway slaves. So you got this brilliant man who's like, He's a slave, but he's like brilliant. And you so you see slavery through the eyes of a modern African American man, a mm-hmm. very brilliant man, and how he gets himself out of that situation. Which I still might write that story somewhere. How do you how would he get himself uh, out of the situation? Amazing. We have to build a time machine. <laughs> 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 Come back or build a or fix his ship or whatever. Yeah. You know? you wanna, you wanna, yeah. You so what what thing? made you go ahead, Sai. Say the one thing that I love just because it's known the fact that you the, the, it, it comes from Star Wars, just the <laughs> fact that <laughs> you would even just be like, all right, man, you gotta figure this out. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Right. It's a good problem. I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm it's sorry. a good problem. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So definitely is. But what ahead. made you what made you switch that then now to these rich, successful black men? And then it's even the one, Martin, is that his name? I think that's his name. Martin, right? He wasn't even successful yet. And was no. like, oh, they brought him in. Right. I wanted to write a story that was more relatable. Yes. To now. So I started thinking about other stuff to do. And then the okay. next step I came, the next thing I went to was, what if slavery was going on now, but it was white people still doing slavery, but the slaves would, not, instead of picking cotton, they were like building microchips and stuff. Like it was like in factories, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I started thinking about that. And then, you know, as I do with any idea, any writer does, they... So I'm playing with the idea. And I said, what if I flipped it? What if there's black people and they got white slaves? And so I told my friends, my writer friends, this idea. I said, what if I just move like these black guys and keep these white slaves? And they all said, they all said the same thing. They said, that's a really cool idea, but you can't make that work. There's no way you can make it work. Every time I tell somebody I read this book, they're like, what the fuck? I'm like, but it's a great book. But it is a great book. Because I took I, it as a challenge. I took it as a challenge. Yeah. I'm like, I can't make it work. So the way, what I decided to do was, 
I decided that I'm going to try to, like, I'm going to try to make this as real as possible. Like, if it was really going on, mm-hmm. how would they really do it? Like, what would really right. happen? And that was my approach. And that, yeah. and, and I feel like, I feel like there honestly could be a secret society out there <laughs> right. doing that. Right, why, right. why didn't you make Martin wait until he got home to report these people? Because, because um, if you remember in the book, um, her name is Alice. Yeah. She's bleeding. He was death. hurt. Well, he was going to wait. He was going yeah. to wait. That but was his he plan. Save Alice. But then he, he's going to die. So he's like, yeah. I got to do something now. Probably not the smartest thing to do. It really but, wasn't. But, you know, <laughs> but men. Because I was like, I was, <laughs> yeah. Because I didn't even like, read the book. I was, right. I was like, when he, when he, and I, I suck at names on books and television shows. But I when, names sometimes. when he um, went into the one guy's room and then, Oscar. Oscar's yes, room. he went into Oscar's room and then he was thinking Oscar wasn't going to snitch. I'm like, why would you? It's five men against you, dummy. <laughs> like, I feel like Martin was making a lot of bad decisions. Like, yes, yes that's for human. greater good. Well, yeah. you gotta understand, everybody's different, right? Yeah. Everybody yeah. behaves differently. Yeah. So one of the things I do when I create a character, this is mm-hmm. some exercise. I don't know where I have the exercise from. Okay. It's like I put all the characters in a room and then I okay. throw a bomb into the room. Then I say, how does each character react to that okay. grenade? Okay. Everybody behaves differently. You know, mm-hmm. some people will dive on the bomb, some people will run, some people will try yeah. to save other people. And that 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 that's their character, you know. Mm-hmm. So Martin is a rescuer, he's a saver, he's a yeah. you know, he, I mean, he did it. I was just like, oh, like that was a really good book. Why did you end the book that way? You mean the cliffhanger? Yes. <laughs> I was, because, okay, because I'm just thinking. I'm thinking yeah, like, I'm, I'm, I'm reading the book and they said, they said the Xfinity, I'm calling it Xfinity, but they saying the Xfinity guy was supposed to come yesterday. Well, oh, he's the cable got, guy. The cable yeah, guy. the cable guy. But now, <laughs> but now he's coming today. Oh no, <laughs> let's just leave him there. And so it's like, is it really Xfinity at the door, or is it the killer guy? Well, here's the thing. My editor, my no, my my editor, my agent. Uh-huh. He's like, you can't end the book like that. You cannot. The people will hate you if you end the book like that. And I said, listen. The reason I'm ending a book like that is because I want the audience to feel what Martin is feeling at the end of the story, where he doesn't know who's a part of this organization, who's going to mm-hmm. be knocking on his door next. Yeah. I like the idea of leaving him with that feeling. Okay. So, a lot of people hate that ending. I was just, I'm just like, I was like, who, who, who's at the door? Who right. is at the door? Well, you know, I didn't know when I wrote it. I didn't know. I don't need to know. I just need to create the moment. Yeah. So I don't even I need to know the answer. I was going to ask. That was my next question. I know now. Who's at the door? Know Who's at the door? Is it Xfinity or is it the write, Are you writing a new? Are you writing? A, are you writing a sequel? Yeah, I have a sequel called <gasps> Black Noise. I haven't written it yet. I just have an outline. I haven't written it yet. You changed oh, yeah, it. You get it blown up. For All right, you. never mind. I'm not, I don't even want to know who it is anymore. I don't want to know who it is anymore. All right, just as just as a creative, like how does it uh, sit with you knowing that 
obviously people say they hate the ending, but obviously they enjoyed mm. the whole story. Right, right. But just to get to that, like, how does that sit with you? Do you enjoy the fact that people, did you want people to walk away and hate the ending? Was that your intention? You said they're going to hate me because they ain't me. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, how does that feel? So, like I said, as, as, like, as an artist, like, I'm a creative, you know, Jay's creative, we're all creative. Like, we ultimately want to have like, like ours are listeners. So I want people to connect with us and catch a feeling when they listen to my music and right. feel a certain way. So sometimes I am going to create something that when you're done, oh, you thought it was going to end happy? Sorry, fam. I know you're not going to like it, but sorry. Like, right. were you okay with that ending? Or Absolutely. Like, did you not know what to expect? No, I, I, you know, it's funny. If you look at the reviews of the book, like, great reviews. But the reviews would be a lot better if I ended it a different way. You see some people say, I got to take away a star because I don't like that ending. Mm. Uh, you know. <laughs> but I just yeah. felt that that was a true ending for the book. Like, I, you know, that yeah. was the real, that ending made sense to me. Yeah. And I, I want to, you know, it's funny, when I wrote the book, I handed it into the, uh, the editors at Simon & Schuster. And because um, usually when I work, as a, when I work as, a, as, a, as a gun for hire, as a screenwriter, like you literally, the producers tell you what to do. They say, change this, change this, change this. When I handed the book into the, the editors, they 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 edited, they put all these notes and they handed me back the thing. And they said to me, I never, I'll never forget this. The guy said, These are our notes. If you don't agree with anything, don't worry about it. I'm like, what? He said, this this change what you want to change. I couldn't believe it. I could not yeah. believe it. Wow. Like, wow. That never happened. So, so did you change anything that they suggested? Yes, because they, you know, they, I did not a lot, but they, they are very, they were very smart, very good notes, like really okay. smart. You know, like okay. if it was something I didn't agree with, I didn't. But they had there's only one major change, mm-hmm. and that's the thing that you mentioned about him going mm-hmm. to Oscar's room. Yeah. So in the original version of the book, he goes to Oscar's room and he actually gets out with Oscar. Like they get out. Okay. He gets Oscar into the car, mm-hmm. into, into a jeep, and they drive out. He gets out of Forty Acres with Oscar at gunpoint, mm-hmm. and they go to the they go to the Rangers station. But you know the Rangers. But the Rangers are a part right. of their team. Yeah. So when he gets to the Ranger station with them, they double cross Martin and they drag him back to the place. But, but they wanted Martin knew oh, that the Rangers. <laughs> Martin knew that the Rangers were. But working. he didn't know. He didn't oh, know the Rangers. Because I no. thought I thought I, no, no, I thought and, when they and, went no, to no. the mine. No, no, that's see. This is this is a scene that happens before the, the breakfast scene with the Rangers. So oh, Martin doesn't know the Rangers okay. are in on it. At that okay, point. okay. So he's okay. like, "Yeah, Rangers, I got these guys. They hold the slaves." And Rangers like, "Yeah, so what?" Yeah. <laughs> these are like white guys, you know. Yeah, like, right. They knock them over the head. They drag them back. Right. But the, the editor said, "Put them in there. Getting out, coming back, getting out, um, coming back." Okay. So, yeah. It's a good note. I think it was a good note. So, um. Yeah. I I really enjoyed too. Um. Like, well, I really enjoyed the whole book, but the whole, I, I never would have thought, well, I'm going to write the book. But I never would have thought about the whole mine part. It's like, they're literally mining nothing. That's, That's hilarious. Evil. That's some evil shit right there. That's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I mean, that's, now go ahead and waste your time. But like, that's like, this is busy work, right? That's just yeah. busy work. And it's hard. They never come out. They always stay in a well, kill yourself. Yeah. There's no... Like, so, and you know what? What I... um one, I wish that I learned earlier in the book how he chose um mm-hmm. the, the slant. Because I'm like, 
is he just going around kidnapping people? Like, how did he choose? But then obviously we found out later, it's like any white person that ever did any harm to him and their ancestors who were yeah. profited from the slave trade, yeah, and whatever, then they got they got taken. Yeah. So <laughs> listen, so you're gonna send us all signed copies of this book, right? That's what's gonna happen because I need to read it. I, 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 gotta, so, I gotta read it. No, 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 no. I'm not no, I'll copy it. I'm copying. I'm I good got, I'm I, I got it on so my books too. app. Speaking of uh on my books app, so you have another book, The Unkind Hours. I haven't read that book because it's not on the books app. It's not, what do you mean? Like on the Apple Books. It's not on Apple Books, it's only it's, it's only, a, oh, so it's Kindle, only right? on it's Kindle. Kindle, yeah. Oh, so okay. I need it on the books app. Um, okay. But can you tell us? Can you tell us uh, a little bit about this one? Okay, so um, it's about this, but this couple. I'm not giving away anything that yeah. that's not. And if you read about what it's about, so okay. it's about this couple who have a little girl named Luna. Okay. And at the begin early in the story, Luna gets abducted and murdered. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's like yeah. Right. right. How old is Luna? She's like five. Four, okay. So it's bad. It's like yeah. This is a hard, you know. It's and, heavy. Um, the couple, the, the couple, they, the they do a, a press conference, uh, you know, where the police is saying that you know we're still looking for the person who did this, you know, and then somebody in the press asked the the father if the person who's looking at who did it is looking at this, would you have anything to say to that person? And the father gets up in front of Mike and says, I just want five minutes alone with this guy. You know, like you know, people say that all the time. Yeah, I just yeah. want five minutes. I just want five minutes. So um, he just kind of loses it. And so like their, their, their marriage kind of collapses, you know. And then one day he's sitting in the park reading a book, right? And this guy sits down next to him. He said, remember you said that thing about one five minutes? He said, I can get you those five minutes for $100,000. You know, so then it's like... Yeah. Like, does he believe him? Does he not believe yeah. him? Is this the guy? Is this not the guy? You know? And he goes down that whole rabbit hole of, like, trying to figure out, like, what's oh. going on? Is this guy real? And, and then what happens when he gets those five minutes? And Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah. Are, oh. are your... Is your favorite genre to write, like, Thrillers. thriller? Yeah. How yeah. I would never... I guess because I don't even really like thriller scary movies, so I don't think I could write... I don't think I could even think of a thriller... That's I'm cool. sure you could. I mean, that's yeah, that's a different mindset to, to get into. Yeah, what yeah. inspires you to do that? I like I like stories that um that like if you look at Forty Acres, right? Like there's two sides to that story, right? Mm-hmm. Like Doctor Gassim, he's he's a guy who's like you know what he's doing is, is like you can almost get behind what he's doing. It's just that it's so harsh the way he's doing it. So mm-hmm. it's like there's a morality question. Mm-hmm. And when people read the book, they come away thinking, well, some people come to me and say, well, I wish Martin to shut up, you know? Like, you know like, yeah. Like, so I like those hard questions. Like, what would you do? So in the situation of Unkind Hours, it's like, what would really happen if you did get the five minutes with this person who did this? What would you do? If you, you're put in a room with a person who murdered your daughter. What would you do in those five minutes? Right? Would you actually kill a person? Would you right. talk to them? Yeah. You know, Ask like, them why. Like, you know, like, so... Um, and like, you know, would you even believe someone can set that up for you? You know, I like those. I like hard question type stories. Mm. Um, okay. But, but mix into a thriller. Like mix into like, you know. The scary yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah. Get, get kind of scared. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. 
I feel like Dr. Kasim, I don't mean, I don't even mean to go back to this, but I feel like Dr. Kasim, <laughs> no, I just saw this TikTok. I just posted this TikTok the other day that was like, basically the girl was saying, hey, the math is not mathing here that black people can have this trauma. Um, I, I think it's like the, the trauma that's passed down from our ancestors. And, and when I was reading the book, I was like, okay, that's the black noise, this trauma that's passed down from our ancestors. But if that is the case, white people don't have the same thing, like to this narcissism and evilness and oh, yeah, power hungry, but, but they don't, they, that's not passed they down to noise. them. White. <laughs> 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 they, have, they have white guilt, but it's, but it's, saying, expressed, it's yeah. expressing in a different way. Yeah, and I, yeah. I felt like yeah. I felt like that's what the black, like the way that the black noise was explained. I was like, oh, that's what this is in well, real life. You know, black noise in my book, at least. And the reason I came up with the black noise thing is because I felt like. Those guys just doing that for revenge is kind of weak. It's like it just yeah. feels kind of weird. So I wanted to get some real deep shit, like cult, like cult, like almost cultish. Yeah. You know? So the idea of black noise in my book is like, like we like we all walk around with like this knowledge that our ancestors were enslaved by these motherfuckers, mm-hmm. right? And when we look them in the eye, are we really can we really look them straight in the eye and with that knowledge in the back? Like it kind of fucks with us, you know, mm-hmm. on every level. Right? This is my theory. So. Dr. Kasim is the only way we can even that shit out is that we got to enslave them. So we have that in our back pocket. So you look them in the eye like, all right, you enslaved my ancestors, but I got your motherfuckers locked up down there too. So, <laughs> so we even now. Man. How you like your coffee? Two sugars Right. Oh my gosh, do you guys want euphoria? No, I haven't seen it. Oh my gosh. I just watched I just watched it. But the this guy today, he literally was like, well, when I was watching it today, he's like, yo, you fuck with ruin jewels again, I will fucking kill you. Now that's 575. When I tell you, I about fell out, and that's what that just reminded me of right now. It's like, yo, I got your people done and the beef and squash, but not really. <laughs> but yeah, that's what that's yeah. Um I like I like that. I like again, I like those hard questions mm-hmm. and putting people, people, people putting people's minds into a corner. Like, what would you do in this situation? Yeah. You know? now, you so know, your books are available all over the place? Huh? I was gonna I was I'm sorry to interrupt. I was gonna ask you, you know, where all your books were available. But I didn't well, want to interrupt. Available, well, 40 Acres, like it was published by uh Atria Books, which is Simon and Schuster. And that book's everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And then Unkind mm-hmm. I was I self-published it because oh. um when I when I wrote it, like they would ask me to make changes that I didn't agree with. But like, gotcha. and I know people were making tons of money self-publishing their own books. So I say, you know what? I'm just going to put it out myself. Right? Which one? So, which way is easier to self-publish or to go well, through a public? Or it depends. Which one you prefer? Huh? Well, well, I prefer. I I, I mean, this this okay. But when you go with a publisher, right? You get a big advance. It depends on what publisher you go. With. You get a big advance. So it's nice to get all that money. Up front, uh, and then they they make a nice. But they do everything. You don't have to do anything. Like you just hand over the manuscript, and you know when you self publish, like music be out under a label okay. versus putting mm-hmm. music out oh, versus being okay. independent. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If you don't get that money up front when you put it out yourself. You gotta like you know earn every penny. I um. So anyway, like I I I like I, I mean I did like self publishing. I kind of always like 
I could have done better with the marketing. I didn't do a great job with the marketing. I probably could have done better. But um, both both books are being made into movies. So both of them mm-hmm. like are in pre-production. So, oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. So That's funny. exciting. Yeah, yeah. It's really exciting. So yeah. hopefully when the, books, when the movies come out, the books will they'll sell even more books. Sell more, yeah. Yeah. I was telling someone today, like, oh, we're doing an interview of this author from this book that I read. And the person was like, that sounds like a dope book. I'll wait for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wait for the movie, too. Yeah. Do you have yeah. a, a time frame for when we could expect to see him? Well, I made the deal. I made the deal last year. Okay. Almost a year, a year ago, exactly. And um, it's been some delays with some issues with the writer and some, you know, just a lot of, I'm not writing those. I'm not writing the, the movie. Right. Um, so, uh, it's taken a long time, but the reason it's a good reason it's taking a long time for 40 acres at least Forty acres mm-hmm. is taking a long time because the producers involved, they're like huge. They're like, mm-hmm. they're like huge. They want to make a really big, important movie. So they're trying to get like, you know, oh, big directors, big actors, you know, that's why I'm not the writer because, I'm not an A-list writer. They, so they have to bring on, because to get an A-list director and to get A-list talent, you got to have an A-list, you gotta, everything has to be, yeah. optics have to be, yeah. you know? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Jay-Z, so it was Will Smith was one of the producers, now it's Jay-Z. So Will Smith okay. was there, now they flipped it to Jay-Z and his, like, last year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm I'm wow. like, cool. Like, as long as they're trying to make a big movie out of it, it's like, I'm cool. Yeah, that's really exciting, man. That's crazy. Congratulations. Congratulations. For real. That's, that's, yeah. that's, that's dope. I got fingers crossed that, you know, because by the way, I've been in this business a long time mm-hmm. and things yeah, yeah. hard all the time. Like I've been talking okay. about uh, things and, but you know, it, it, just to be in the game, you know, and, mm-hmm. and to have and the possibility to of it happening. Have yeah. the experience to even say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To even just go through it is, and that's why people would yeah. say that. So, yeah. hey, congrats. I, I have a feeling it would be made, even if it's not made, it's, it's with Netflix now. Even if Netflix doesn't do it, like when we sold the when we sold the book to Netflix, it was a bidding war between Amazon and Netflix. So Amazon wanted it too. Mm-hmm. So if Netflix doesn't do it, maybe Amazon will pick it up or someone yeah. else. Will pick it up. Yeah. Okay. So you got right. so you got you got two two published books, one on the way, sequel to Forty Acres. Yes, right. that's Countless not my sold scripts. That's- Oh, oh, that's not your next one. Well, no, what's next, next for Dwayne? Well, now come on, let us know what's next. Yeah, then. What, can we, what, can we, what are we? We, what we don't we know be? what to expect at this point. Yeah, what should we be on the lookout for? Well, uh, my name, my next book is called Unfreed. Okay. That's a weird word, Unfreed. You see it? It's called Unfreed. All I can say about it, I don't want to give it too much away, but it's a, it's a ghost story set on a slave plantation, but a modern slave plantation. Mm, it's a pretty creepy story. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm interested in that. I mean I'm interested too. in that. Yeah. So then, what, what? What after that? You got how many books are you working on? Just the I one. I just finished a book. I just finished a book with um. Oh, okay. Another writer. Her name is Pamela Samuels Young. Great writer. She she mm-hmm. just made a deal with Netflix. They're making a TV series based on her her books, her legal nice. books. And wow. uh, we just finished a book called Sounds Like a Plan, and it's like a it's basically it's it's a detective. Story with his two detectives, a man and a woman, black man, mm-hmm. black woman. They both have two separate detective agencies, right? And they and unbeknownst to each other, they got they get hired on the same case. 
So as they work mm-hmm. in the same case, they meet each other. Then they decide, you know, we might as well just work together because, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then there's like this sexual tension and, you know, between them as they're working together. And she writes all the female chapters and I write all the male chapters. So it goes back and forth. Oh, okay. Nice, 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 nice. That's nice. That's nice. nice. And when is the, when are we going to be able to get our hands on that? That one is probably going to be out in about, I would say, safely about three or four months. Nice. Oh, wow. I, I have a question. As a writer, what is your ultimate goal? My ultimate goal? Yeah. Like, as a writer. Like, because I feel like if, if I'm, like, outside looking in, it's like mm. you've accomplished it. You've pub- As a writer, you've published books. You've gotten, you've sold scripts. You've, you're getting movies published. It's like, what else what could be bigger than that? Well, I mean, you know what? That's a good, that's actually a good observation, a good question, because it's all about perspective, right? So, like, the Dwayne from 20 years ago, looking at the Dwayne now, would be like, I would love to be that guy, right? Like, I would love to be that guy, right? Okay. But, you know, obviously, as you accomplish more, mm-hmm. you start to want more also. Right. Mm-hmm. And although I've done a lot and I, I have sold a lot of things, you know, I'm not rich. You know, like I would like to be rich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody. Uh, right? Yeah. I you mean, know. you on the way. So, I mean, I, I mean, like I'm not rich. I'm not I haven't had the big the big cash in yet. Although the Netflix deal is a really good deal. So yeah. if that deal that deal they make that movie. That would be a good step. in the You'd right be direction. on your yeah. way. You'd be yeah. on your yeah. way. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. That's so, great. So like, but my ultimate goal really is like, like I like that. I, I, there's certain people out there, certain producers or certain writers who everything they write, they can make. They go, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to come into like Stephen King. Yeah. Or, like all those guys, uh, yeah, right. Yeah, I would yeah, love yeah. to have that kind and of where everything I write, you know, is going to be, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a movie. Everything you touch, make money. Yeah. You're going to go out there. And, even if it doesn't make money, just, people are going to see or Or, do, or okay. does something. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. That, cool. that, that would be very, I would love that. I would love that. That's awesome, man. But I have, you know, it's funny, like I've done stuff like, um, like, like, okay, I'll give you an example. Like when I, when I was a kid, I love Speed Racer, the show Speed Racer. I love that yeah. show. Like, mm-hmm. one of my favorite shows. So one day I'm having a meeting with this with this producer about something completely different, like some vampire stuff, something like that. And he said that he had just bought the rights to Speed Racer to, to write for the manga, to write the, the manga yeah. comic books, whatever. And yeah. I'm like, really? I said, well, I said, well, I said to him, I said, well, I, I, I want to write the book. He said, you ever wrote a comic book before? I said, no, but I'm, I want to write the book. Yeah. And he was like, well, I don't know Dwayne, you know, because, you know, they got a comic book. I said, listen, Nobody knows Speed Racer better than me. Nobody. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah, yeah. And I convinced him to let me write the book, let me write the comic. So I actually yeah. got to work on something that I really, really, really loved, you know. And then recently, wow, nice. like a year ago, another guy, another producer, another director calls me, says, wow. hey, Dwayne, I'm working on a Twilight Zone game. And I'm like, you know, that's my favorite TV show of all time. It's Twilight Zone. <laughs> so I said, well, I want to work on it. And he says, well, he says, what do you mean? I want to write it. I want to write. So I so I got he, he hired me and I so I got to write this video game based on the Twilight Zone. Wow. That's so it's like dope. doing That's little things like that makes it all work. They don't pay a lot. None of those things yeah. pay a lot of money. The, the yeah, yeah, they're yeah, super yeah, cool things. Fun. Right, but it's like shit you love to so actually get What's your hands Your passion. Like your you search for Speed Racer. When you search for Speed Race on Google, my fucking name will come up now. 
Right? Oh, that's great. lit. So that's yeah. I, I feel like my my favorite thing about your story is that you like you always wanted to make movies, but then and you and you thought that that was like your passion, but pursuing that passion made you find your real true passion. Yeah, it's, it's true. I love that. Sure, you gotta go, you gotta go with you know, you go, you gotta go with it and see you know, yeah, what's gonna work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I love it, man. Well, we really appreciate your time. We know that you know, what I mean, you're obviously a very busy person. It sounds like you know, from the beginning of your, your career, you've you know, been able to finesse and, you know, use your storytelling capabilities and your personal abilities and your knowledge of the industry of what you got going on and your your passion to learn to really propel yourself and do some really dope things, man. Like you said, 20 years ago, you know, your, your younger self would have looked at what you've done now and said, yo, that's really crazy. Like I worked on Twilight Zone video game, you know, I worked on a speed racer manga, I worked on, you know, I sold several scripts, I got movies, you know, deals that are potential, books are published, I'm collaborating with other, you know, authors, the sky's the limit, and, you know, this all came from, you know, somebody who grew up in the Bronx and just was pursuing a dream, you know, that's everybody's, that's everybody's dream, so it's really dope to be able to sit down with somebody who, is living proof that, you know, you just gotta, you gotta keep going. You gotta keep working and you gotta, you know, put, put, put your all and your effort into your passion. So, yeah, you know, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's all I got to say, man. I appreciate it. Any, 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 anything that you, yeah, 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 I, I got that for those. <laughs> oh, do you, I guess, do you have social media or want people to follow you on social media or is it like, oh, is that personal? Oh, oh. They can no, no. They can. I have a I have an author's page on Facebook. It's just uh, okay. it's uh, Dwayne Alexander Smith. It's on Facebook. Okay. And I think oh, on. Gotcha. I don't use Twitter that much, but I'm. Mm-hmm. I, think, I don't know what my Twitter handle is. I don't. Use You're Twitter. on there. I'm on there though. Yeah, yeah. I, I talked yeah. to you on Twitter before. Right. Have you back, you know, when some of these when some of these things, uh, you know, go, go into action, uh, uh, whatever they may be. We hope to maybe have you back to talk about some of those. Things. Yeah, this is really fun. You guys, yeah. are, you guys are really cool. I mean, that's going to be our TOS trip. We're going to go to L.A. Wait, there was one thing you guys didn't bring up. Somebody had was doing a potential casting for 40 acres and they mentioned a certain actor who was the actor's name um the guy the big black guy what's his name terry cruz for dr kasim oh my heart real quick okay was that you i i I did not i would i I did not uh i was not fortunate enough to read the book so i don't Uh know if i suggested anybody (laughs) I don't think I did. Somebody suggested Terry Crews for uh, 40 Acres. That's hilarious, though. Yeah, that's very funny. funny. I I actually imagine Dr. Umar. Dr. Umar? Dr. Umar? I just feel, I feel like when you're talking about Dr. Kasim, when I'm reading him, my mind is picturing Dr. Umar. But he's not a he's not an actor. I know, but that's who I was. Oh, but you're saying that you're saying like oh, okay, okay. that's what I was like, yo, this is who I'm picturing as this man. Everything you say, 
gifts, yes. donations. Exactly. <laughs> I tell exactly. you, the people they going, the people they going after though, is crazy. It's like crazy. Like I everybody can't needs I can't to, to read. I hope book. it all happens for you, man. Hey, look, fingers crossed. This is very fun. You guys are really cool. We appreciate you, yes. man. We'll do it again soon. Definitely. Right. Cool. Yes, sir. All right. Well, thank you. And man. that's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>